to Changing Academic Life. I'm Geraldine Fitzpatrick, and this is a podcast series where academics and others share their stories, provide ideas, and provoke discussions about what we can do individually and collectively to change academic life for the better. After a longer than anticipated pause, we're back, and this time with an interview with someone who has chosen to leave academia and take up a job in industry. I'm speaking with Ben Kral, who's now four weeks into his new job as a user experience consultant. Ben has quite a different story to tell from the other people I've spoken with so far, in that he was employed on research contracts. He talks about his experiences in academia, the challenges of being legible, how he made the decision to leave, and what his work and home life look like now. On the notes on the Changing Academic Life webpage, you can also find out more about the airport research project that he talks about, as well as a link to a recent blog post he wrote on academic burnout. And there are links to other people that he mentions as well as he goes along. Ben, thanks very much for joining me from Brisbane, my my old hometown. It's my pleasure, Geraldine. And this is evening for you, so especially um, thanks for the spending time in your evening to do this. Uh, one right. of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you was that I had an email from someone listening to the podcast series saying it would be really great to hear from people who choose to leave academia and hear their stories. And coincidentally, that day or the next day, I saw a tweet from you where you announced that you were leaving uh, (laughs) academia to go and work as a user experience consultant. So I want to come to that later uh, to talk about, but uh, just to start with for a bit of context. So you did a Bachelor of Information Technology at Queensland Uni and then you went to Canberra Uni and did your PhD there. In- uh, yeah, between, between the Bachelor of Infotech, yeah. I, had, I worked for a, a really, really, really big consulting firm mm-hmm. for um, a year and it was, the, it was 2001, it was the tech crash. And I had nothing to do for 10 months. Oh, um, stimulating. And, and eventually... Yeah, eventually they uh, they said, "Oh, um, here go learn ABAP, which is the SAP programming language." And they gave me, you know, the D-ring binder, and they said, "Here you go. It's kind. It's basically Fortran. You'll figure it out." And it's like, "Oh, yeah, okay." And um, because there was no work, but people, and so I was never chargeable. Okay. Because there was no work, people who were chargeable were trying to stay chargeable. Um, and they would end up ringing into the office and going, I've got this really curly problem. Is there anyone who can help me? Ah. And they go, oh, Ben's sitting ben. there and learning. Yes. This. Ben will, ben will put, put Ben on solving your curly problem and go back to keeping the clients happy. And um, I got this completely undeserved reputation as being able to solve these, these very, very curly ABAP problems. And they went, oh, we can move you to Melbourne and put you in a, a tertiary level tech support center for the con- chargeable consultants mm-hmm. and you can do ABAP for them. Like, how about no? <laughs> <laughs> so um, no, because. And so that's how, no, no, because I, I'm a competent programmer, but I'm not a brilliant programmer. Yeah, it was never okay. my interest. Even yeah. despite, you know, you do a bachelor of, bachelor of IT computer yeah. science degree. And I was interested in what, what was called then human computer interaction and, you know, since became interaction design and now in, in industry user experience and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And that's what I've 
there's a bunch of us in the firm, a young consultants in this this really big firm who are trying to get them more into usability and and that sort of thing. Uh, and the industry wasn't ready for that in 2001. Although there there were firms that did it, like Safe Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I, I actually uh, the, worked at Safient in, I, I moved to Safient in 2001, also when the yeah. crash happened a bit. We did have yeah. work to do though, but it was a tough time. Yeah, this was, this, this, this firm kept me in Brisbane. They put a hundred graduates on from Australia in that year. Um, and they took, they put most of, the, most of them from, uh, Sydney and Melbourne, three of the hundred from Brisbane. They kept two of us in Brisbane. Um, and we both went back to academia, actually. Oh, uh, the two of us who they kept in Brisbane, my my friend, who is still my friend, mm. um, she was halfway through a PhD and decided she didn't, she wasn't enjoying it. She went, she joined the firm. And uh, I left before her, but she left shortly after mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. And she went back and finished her PhD and I went mm-hmm. back and I went, you know, back to academia and started mine. So, so And then I did, yep. So I'm just curious about what was the motivation for going back to academia rather than to another job that might have been more UE related? And what were you imagining then in terms of career path? Um, well, I went back to academia because when I was, the, the Bachelor of IT program was an honours program where it had an honours year at the end of the, which was the fourth year of the program. And um, so I had a, a single supervisor uh actually had two because it was Helen Purchase, who I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went on sabbatical in the middle uh, and I picked up someone to, to get me finished. And uh, then Helen came back and she said to me, you're really good at this, you should stay. I, I was like, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to earn lots of money and go and be a consultant <laughs> and, and travel the world and become a master of the universe. And um, Instead, a master of ADAP. That's, that's right. Um and uh, so, so I went to the firm and I, I, you know, wanted to quit. I didn't like it. And the, the woman who I had started dating when I was doing honours uh, and I had decide, decided to stay together in the year after we finished uni and she ended up getting a job in Canberra. Ah. And she liked her job and I didn't like mine. And so mm-hmm. in the space of about a month, I um, quit my job, proposed to her and got applied applied for and accepted into the PhD uh, in Canberra. And it's like, well, I guess I'd better go to Canberra then. Uh, Goodness, um, so you don't do yeah. things by half. So, <laughs> so many changes no. at once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's good, so that's it's need, an interesting need... two-body problem where, you know, there was an easy choice yeah. for you to make from the sounds Yeah, of well, before, before then I was flying down to Canberra every two weeks. Cheaper uh, choice then and, as well. Well, I was a consultant and so I was yeah. getting paid enough. Um, but that was also the year that the airline called ANSET collapsed in Australia, and I remember they that. were my they were my airline, and so there was a six week period where there were no flights that I could get onto for uh, any price uh, to Canberra, and it's like this is no good here. Uh, so um, uh, yeah, so that 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 sort of sorted that out excellent. because the woman who is now my wife um, had a job in the federal public service, and uh, I had a scholarship to do my PhD. We were okay. Yeah, know, it was a pretty. It, it it wasn't like some of my former PhD students, you know, on on pretty much the same scholarship I got ten years ago. Yeah, um, were you know if they were living by themselves or living with with a, a partner who had a, who was possibly doing their tertiary 
you know, post-grad work. Um, they had nowhere near as much money as we did. I, we mm. had enough money that we were up to Brisbane every three months to see family and uh, I bought a sports car when I was finishing up in, with the firm and we kept the sports car. And, wow, um, good. It wasn't a new sports car, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that doesn't matter. And so that that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's that's sort of why I, how I ended up doing the PhD and then, um, we had, a we had my son, um, who in the third year of my, uh, PhD. And so that was quite convenient because mm. when my wife was, you know, on maternity leave with him, I could pour all my effort into the PhD. And then I took, as you do a little bit too long to finish the PhD. Yes. And when my scholarship ran out, I could be primary carer and work, you know, one day yeah. a week and, yeah. and weekends and she could be. She could go back to work and you know keep mm. the keep the roof over our heads. And eventually, we sort of decided that well, I needed a real job, and I was almost finished. And uh, the job that I left uh, a couple of weeks ago came up. Okay, in, uh, advertised in two thousand and five, and I interviewed for it at the end of two thousand and five. And um, they they offered it to me two days after I interviewed for it, and so we were basically yeah. back in Brisbane. Yeah. Uh, we had Christmas in Brisbane with my family. Went back to Canberra, packed the house up, and basically moved back mm. to to Brisbane. Great. So when you did start back at the PhD, yeah, were you? So there was clearly a, a convenience reason, and you know, the it sounds like the voice of Helen Purchase in your ear saying that you can do this was, you know, and good on her yeah, for encouraging sure. you to do it. I think that's brilliant. Um, but did you have any sort of career imaginations at that point? Um, I suppose I had imagined that I would be an academic and then mm -hmm. would forever be an academic. Um, I, while I was doing my PhD, I was tutoring and a lot of the other tutors were working as user experience people um, in Canberra and then they, they've sort of, you know, got work in Sydney or moved to Sydney or moved to mm. Melbourne. Um, and so I was aware that that was a thing, but that wasn't, sorry, that wasn't really the path that my PhD was taking me down. It wasn't like a user experience PhD. Yeah. It was started very technical yeah. and ended up very sociological. Yes. Um, and that together didn't seem like something industry would pay yeah. for. And it was early. not. It was early days sorry? of speech recognition software, if I remember. You were doing some speech it, recognition uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was start my when I applied for the PhD, I rang both of the, the, the two big unis, or the, the one very big uni and the, the other, you know, small but somewhat well known uni in Canberra. And the really big uni said to me, Yeah, we don't do that. I said, I want to do human computer interaction. They go, we don't really have anyone who does that. <laughs> Flabbergasted me, but fine. Mm. And I rang the University of Canberra, got onto the IT school spoke to the person who was the outgoing head of school and he said, that sounds like something that we could do. Just put your paperwork in and we'll see how you go and we'll sort it out mm -hmm. if you get accepted. Um, and I got accepted, 
and we sort of cobbled together who my supervisors would be. It ended up being that man, uh, Professor Michael Wagner, yeah. who is a speech recognition signals processing engineer, picked up um, Penny Collings, yes. who is a long-term human-computer interaction specialist. Mm. Um, and eventually, as I sort of you know went down the very qualitative path, picked up uh, Annie Dugdale, who is a who was in the School of Governance at Uni of Canberra, but she's a Latourian sociologist. Mm, right. Um, so you've, you've got quite a, a mixed disciplinary way of working then. And, and in the current project or the project that you've just left uh, from QUT, yeah. Uh, yeah. it sounds like that very much used those skills as well because that was working on complex systems and redesigning or thinking about airports of the future, wasn't it? That was the a really big project that we mm-hmm. had that sort of finished two years ago and, okay. and we were still sort of writing yeah. about that and, and yeah. doing things about that. Um, yeah, that was an enormous project and the design part of that or that was you know, led by my my former professor, uh, Vesna mm-hmm. Popovich, mm-hmm. was was called um, Human Systems. There was like mm-hmm. seven or eight groupings in that great big grant yeah um and that was the question there was just what do people do in airports uh and because it 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 seems quite strange but we couldn't get a good answer from the airport partners that we had in that grant about what do people do in airports and we're like well this probably needs to be found Mm. out um and we found out just by following people around airports for four years for how long uh, the did whole project say- was four years. We did yeah. four. We made four new doctors out of that, um, mm-hmm. and we sort of made up the methods as we went along. Mm-hmm. Like, Let's just follow people around for a while <laughs> with video cameras. So, what and was your role we- on this project? Were, were you a, I a, was- a, a on a limited contract as a postdoc researcher, or you know, what was the role um, for the first couple of years of that project? Yeah. That paid my salary. Mm. Um, I wasn't named on the ground. I wasn't a, a PI in the American sense or in the mm-hmm. Australian terms as the chief investigator. I wasn't, my name wasn't on the, the grant, but mm-hmm. there was money in that for a, a research fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that what that's what paid for me for a while. Um, I don't think it paid 100% of my salary, but it paid enough that yeah. the uni matched it or there, was, there okay. was some other soft source that they were sort of filling in the gaps. Um, eventually the, the soft money ran out, but I still had a contract, um, a university contract. Uni. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, and so they went, well, you should, we need you to be able to pay for yourself. So you'll have to start teaching because up until that point, um, I'd been employed by the university for about six years mm-hmm. and I'd always been a, a research fellow and I'd been in honors level classes with, with undergraduates, fourth year classes. Um, and I'd had previous PhD students to that project who were sort of had picked their own topics. But in mid-2012 was the first time I sort of had a slightly more than full teaching load for the mm-hmm. second half of 2012 mm-hmm. where, where they went, well, you need to be able to pay for yourself and the soft money ran out in sort of February so we might have to do a bit more teaching than, than you might otherwise do on an ordinary load. And how was it um, teaching for the first time? I mean, in that sort uh, well, of being responsible, being responsible yeah, for always, classes. 
Yeah, I'd always tutored, so I, I wasn't completely foreign to stand up in front yeah. of the class, but yeah. um, having the, the buck stop with me with like appointing my tutors and dealing with, oh, my goldfish ate my homework and I have an extension. <laughs> um, so goldfish uh, eat homework so many in grandmothers. Australia as well. So, well, no, no. Yeah. So many grandmothers are... Um, uh, it's a it's a high risk uh, occupation <laughs> being a grandmother or a university student. Um, uh, uh, so that was that was sort of you know learn on the run. I think I got mm. told three weeks before classes started um, that I had to be in charge of this eighty person industrial design product usability class. Was there um, a set of materials and resources already yeah, there that you could yeah, take yeah, yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. Although in, it's, it in, still takes a lot of work to get your head into someone else's material and make it your own, doesn't it? I I rewrote every slide. <laughs> That's a huge amount um, of work. Yeah, yeah. Because there's someone else's rhythm. You yeah. can't teach to. You can try, uh, yeah. but it doesn't work. Um, I kept all the tutorial materials because. Um, that's that's easier because you yeah. have new tutors. Or I had I, I had that that year, all of the tutors had tutored before, and so I was the new tutor essentially because I had to lecture and mm. take the tutorials. Mm. And so I was new, and um, I doubled up people in rooms so that I was in a room with one of the more experienced of the tutors. So mm-hmm. I could sort of in the middle of my group of eighteen students wander over to his group of 18 students go what what do you do when they say this to you um, um so that was okay there was i did yeah. i did uh tutoring in someone else's class yeah was doing in second semester we had two fourth year tutorials which are run as design studios so the two mm-hmm. four-hour classes there and i was doing this product usability class which is a first year class mm-hmm. in industrial design here and that was double delivery so that was 4 hours in the morning lecture and 3 hour studio and then repeat the lecture and then another 3 hour studio in the afternoon so i started at 10 o'clock on a tuesday and went for about 3 hours and then i had 4 hours on a wednesday 8 hours of class contact on a thursday and then another 4 hours on a friday that that sounds um, very that heavy. That was exhausting. I'm, that was yeah, exhausting. I'm not surprised. I would finish hit midday Friday, eat lunch. Yeah, we always have felt like we'd always have staff meetings on a Friday. I'm sure they're only yeah. open three or four weeks. But <laughs> do but that, and ex- three o'clock would come, and I'd be like, "That's it. I'm off. Bye." Were you expected <laughs> to do research as well around the teaching? Yes, because my contract still said research only. And how did that fit in? It didn't. Yes, I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, at the beginning of that year, maybe at the end of the previous year, um, I'd been awarded a, a grant, not an enormously prestigious mm-hmm. grant, but a grant that, that was quite difficult to get. Um, and there was a problem with the university because it was me and me and Vesna Popovich, my professor, and um, people who I'd met through other things at a different university and we went in together on this grant and now we got the money and we're like hooray and then our universities had a fight about who would get the money and how the money would come in <laughs> um and it took them almost a year to sign the contracts and get us the money and by that stage i was doing this crazy teaching load oh so frustrating um, there was an there was enough money to put a research associate on and yeah. be the boots on the ground to do that. 
but so she could go and do the interviews and do the first pass of data analysis, mm. but the the buck stopped with me and yeah. with, with Kate at the other university. And she and Kate and I would would meet because we were the you know the, yeah. it was it was our idea that made this grant go. And uh, she would say, "Okay, great. What are we doing next?" And I would overcommit myself and then wouldn't follow through. And <laughs> she was very patient with me, and uh, it's taken from mid 2012 until now i have sent the paper off finally for professional editing because the the reviewers said it's full of typos <laughs> full of typos but i'm just going to get someone to tidy it up mm. um and so that should come in mm. monday and then send that away so so just and that has I, nothing I, to do with airports that project yeah but um i just heard professional editing so you send your papers out to a professional editor sometimes um my some of my colleagues do um yeah. quite a few of my my colleagues at QUT are from non English speaking backgrounds yeah um they've all they're all you know uh, written PhDs in English for Australian universities so I, um but occasionally we'll just send things out to yeah. be tidied up or um a third or fourth set of eyes over it yeah. so how does does this does this make any sense because often we would publish very interdisciplinary sort of things. And so yeah. there's no, we're sort of pushing things into journals that, you know, the university says, you need to publish in these kind of journals. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 okay, but this paper isn't that sort of paper. And so because you're doing that, you're doing a lot of um, boundary crossing mm. in your lit review. Yeah. You're sort of trying to bootstrap yeah. whoever's reading this into understanding where you're coming from and yeah. why. And so you have to pitch it to that smart person who not ne who isn't necessarily in the narrow discipline, mm. and so that's the other reason to go to a, a sort of impartial mm. third party yeah. editor and go. Mm, we're too close to this. Seems to make. Does sense. this make any sense? Does yeah. this make sense to yeah. you? And the editor that we use is not a. She's not an academic. Yeah. Um, but she's so smart pay, and she can keep up. Who pays? Who? Where does, where does the funding um, come from? For that? this. This paper, uh, I don't know, but it's it's sort of end of financial year for the university here. Right, we okay. were told there's some money, maybe you should spend it. It's like okay, okay, I can do it's that. It's a it's a couple of hundred dollars. Like yeah. I'm I'm out. I, they I've I, I've been managing that from my personal email address because right, wow. I yeah. the, when I you know the the day I finished, uh, which is the 18th of November, I think I got an email automated email the week before that from the university that said your email address will stop working in two weeks you oh. should probably put an out of office on it and tell people where they can contact you it was like huh okay oh, okay so it's don't a let smooth the door transition you in the backside on your way out yeah um so yeah. take us to take us to the 18th of november and sort of you know the last yeah. day your email worked what how did the how did the um notion of moving to industry and taking up a user experience job come about what was that process well for did, you? it wasn't on the 18th of november um, what no 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 that, <laughs> that, that, that being the last day um, of the uni. sure um it's so i had i have to go a long way back so you're um, teaching you're teaching, uh, teaching like crazy in uh, 2012 but, and on. yeah um but even before then like i because i had always been on soft money i had always been on 
long contracts. Yeah. So it's like three-year contracts because that's sort of how long a grant yeah. is. So they would get money and that would pay for that. Um, and they're long contracts and they say research only. And in the mm-hmm. enterprise bargaining agreement that my previous university had, uh, it said if you were research only, it didn't matter how many long contracts you had, they couldn't offer you a permanent job. Right. And so I finished that round of teaching. I think that was my third three-year contract when mm-hmm. that finished. And they said, oh, we don't have any soft money because um, it's sort of my job to try and get soft money. Although yeah. the way grants work here, that wouldn't have paid my salary anyway. Yes. So uh, interesting really tensions like that, you have to find the work, money but, but not enough money yeah it wasn't in. it would it's it literally you can't claim salary in the grants that i'm mm. able to apply for as a design academic and so i was like well even if i get the grant mm. why because when you get the grant the unit it's the university's grant it's mm. not your grant mm. and so i was like well suppose i get a grant which i never did um at this at that point um mm. how does that work and they're like ah oh, We'll figure it out. It's like, if you get the grant, we will put you on for the time. It's like, okay. Um, but so that three, third three-year contract finished. Um, there was no soft money. They said, oh, we'll put you on a one-year contract for for the next year of teaching. And they just rolled my contract over, okay. which has a box on it that they tick that says research only. But I wasn't research only. I had an ordinary teaching load. Mm. Shh, don't tell the lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, and so I had a full teaching load, and I was researching. I had PhD mm. students, which mm. sort of kept my publications up enough to yeah. make people fairly not not unhappy. Um, and then after the one year, they said, "Oh, okay, you know, well, well, you're in the plan now. We've sort of got you. We count on your your workload to get things done. So we'll give you a two year contract. Mm. Still mm-hmm. says research only, but fine. Um, so around that sort of first at the end of the third three-year contract, they're like, you can have a one-year contract. Thanks for your nine years. How about a one-year? Mm. Um, I started looking around for other okay. things. Um, and as a, as a you know, computer scientist slash not really speech recognition engineer at all, sociologist of technology slash not really industrial designer, but industrial designer, um, <laughs> that's, that's a hard thing to find a university that's got like a job opening for Okay. And so, so I started looking in mm, like that's, UXy sort of jobs. Yeah. So that's interesting. So that you're saying that because you, as your as your expertise and experience and knowledge base developed, it was at these intersections of multiple fields. But it was very hard yeah. to put the hat on for any one field and be recognised by them in a I way. Was a, I was an illegible person, ah. as a, um, ah. or a James James C. Scott's seeing like a state talks about being legible mm. to. Uh, mm. things and I was I was legible to the uni in the exact job I had mm. but other but that sounds like it was defined schools, more in terms of the teaching even though that was sort of an unofficial yeah it started in terms of the the research you know yeah. they wanted all that when the job ad was synonyms for what I thought it was that I did and I sort of yes. rang up and said yeah. I don't use these words but this sounds like me and they're like yeah sure apply like okay Good. Yeah. um uh, then I started teaching, and because I had this sort of weird interdisciplinary background, like I can't teach the industrial design parts of industrial design, but yes. I could teach the parts of an industrial design degree 
that go into making it a degree rather than a trade qualification. Right, yeah. So I can teach product usability. I can teach interact the parts of interaction design that yeah. we teach in industrial design. I can teach qualitative research methods. Um, I can teach sociocultural aspects of mm. design. But And so that's useful in an mm. industrial design school. Mm. But in Brisbane, there are only two of the three unis that teach industrial mm. design. Mm. And, and we didn't want to move to Sydney or Melbourne. So I was like, okay, well. So you didn't um, want to move. So that was a constraint that you'd agreed. Because yeah, you have two yeah. kids now, don't you? I have two kids, 11 and 8. Wow, time um, flies. Time flies. Uh, when my when my son was six months old, he played on a bunny rug in the back of the auditorium when you closed the Ozkai conference in Canberra. I remember I was just I had a picture <laughs> of him in his pram yeah. as well, talking yeah. to you yeah. afterwards. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um so he's uh so, he's so it's finishing important grade six now. For you for family reasons to make a choice to want to stay in yeah. Brisbane. And then the consequence yeah. of that choice is limited academic mm-hmm. options and yeah. those academic options being difficult because you're in this illegible uh, situation yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Did you um, did you actually look? Were there any any positions that you tried to look for, or was it more of a straightforward decision of starting to look for a job in industry? Um, I would sort of chat with people. Yeah. Uh, in in different different areas, but um, Brisbane isn't a. Brisbane is you know big in terms of how big is a city in world yes. terms. It's you yes. know almost. One and a half, two million people. Yeah, but it's the third biggest city in Australia, and everyone says it's an, a little. You know, used used to be. You know, at the end of last century, big country town. Yes, it's not a. It's not a city where companies had have head offices, and so mm. um, I could have probably just flown to Sydney or Melbourne at, at any point in time and, and stood on stood at the curb at the airport and said, mm. I can do UX stuff and people yeah, would have given get me a job. job. But yeah. uh, my, my wife's family is here, my family's here, yeah. my children like their yeah. school, we built this house, uh, yeah. so let's, let's stay in Brisbane. Um, so I got, you know, starting to look, starting to figure out, you know, after nine years in academia, um, almost, 13 years since my last quote marks real job mm. how do i start looking for these jobs because my cv if you it's like employers is you know uh, retail jobs my first job in 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 it finished my degree consulting firm for less than a year um phd tutoring mm. you know research fellow teaching and then it's like well what do you know about anything mm. that, that you know an industry job would pay for mm. um and so but because i had known a lot of people in what became the user experience industry in australia because i had tutored with them when i was doing my phd as they became more senior in the industry and they started their own firms or you know worked for big companies mm. and then worked as consultants to big companies they started running and people they knew started running practitioner conferences. And so I went, Oh, I'm going to go talk to this at this practitioner conference. First one was in 2006, 2007. Yeah. I was the only, I was me and Steve Villa from UQ were the only two academics there out of 200 people. Um, I presented about, really obscure academic sort of stuff that we had done. Mm-hmm. Uh, people liked it because 
you know, uh, it was it was interesting and different. It was like, mm-hmm. here is how we looked at mm-hmm. how nurses bandage people's legs. Why is this user experience? Mm-hmm. Let me explain to you. Um, and uh, so, so that was okay. And then occasionally I would have, you know, wait a couple of years and then reapply and say, so it's a community reviewed mm-hmm. conference. So you put mm-hmm. your pitch in and, and the, the people who go sort of go, that sounds interesting, maybe not that. What yeah. about this? You sometimes yeah. get a bit of feedback, yeah. sometimes you don't. And then the people who run the conference ultimately curate on yeah. on what they what they accept. And so I presented at, at that conference uh, three times. The last time was in August last year. Um, and I was talking about the finish of the, the big airport project, mm-hmm. presenting it's not it's, it's my work, but presenting everyone's work. Um, and uh, I took along some of the people who were finishing their PhDs to try and get them into the industry. And it's like, here are people who will be your bosses. Go and go and meet them. Because by that stage, the conference was about 500 people who would attend. Uh Two tracks over two days, so you know a big audience in each room. Mm-hmm. So it's good for me to you know, present to that many people, yep. and it's good for people who I had taken along and said, yeah, "Go and meet great. these people." Great to take um, your students and uh, hanging out between sessions with the people in the booths, you know, who mm-hmm. had sponsored the conference, not wanting to break into the back of something. Um, uh, asked the people who were there from the firm I currently work for, who I now work for, you know, what did you think about that person? What did you think about that person? And then we're sort of sitting there not saying much. And I'm like, well, what about me? Would you take me? <laughs> um, and just, you know, uh, just, just you know, for something to say. Um, and the, the guy I was talking to is currently my, you know, ultimately my boss in mm-hmm. the, the Brisbane office of the firm, which is Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Um, he says, oh, well, you know, what's, what do you know? What do you, what's your background? What can you do? Uh, I can do these things. I know these things. Oh, okay, that's interesting. And he went and he rang the, um, the founder of the, the firm. And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I know Ben. I've heard him speak at this thing before. He's good. Keep, mm-hmm. keep chatting with Ben. Mm-hmm. This is my understanding of what the call was. Um, and so uh, Duncan came back and he said, yeah, let's, let's chat some more. And so he would, you know. They had just started the Brisbane office and it was literally him looking for work in Brisbane because they'd find, they'd sort of decided, "Eh, we're sending people to Brisbane enough that maybe it's worth establishing an office there instead of, you know, having clients pay for people to stay in hotels or, you know, rent a house if they're doing a Mm. big project, I guess, or something. Um, And so... We chatted for a while and then occasionally we would meet for coffee and just chat about, oh, this is what's happening. This is, you know, we're trying to get this kind of work. That's good. I'm teaching this kind of thing. Um, And uh, about, I guess, three months ago now, maybe not quite that long, um, he emailed me and said, we need someone to start pretty soon who can facilitate a workshop and can do like good interviews and focus groups and and that sort of thing. Here's the, you know, here's what the ad is. Do you think that's you? It's like, absolutely, yes, it's me. Yes. Um, So had a Skype call with him, had a Skype call with the director of the the business unit in the firm that I'm sort of working for mostly at the moment. Um, We all liked each other. 
And then they said, great, can you start in two weeks? And I'm like, ah. Uh. And I don't know what it's like in Europe or the States, but here, at least for the university that I worked in and for people I've spoken to, other universities, the notice period is about four months. Yes. I which think stops you escaping. Often, yeah. Yeah. Stops you escaping at the beginning of semester. Yes. <laughs> Stops you just, you know, flipping a table and going, no, sort yourselves out. Mm. Um, but it was uh, six weeks before the end of semester and I went into the head of school's office and said, so I'm pretty sure I want to leave. And she said, well, I have to ask you, is there anything I can do to let, make you stay? And I said, mm, not really. So if and they had like, have offered well, you a full-time contract, then would you have been tempted? Like a permanent yeah, job? Yeah. Nah, nah. Okay. I don't think so. I don't think so. There is, um, I like my colleagues. Yeah. I like my students. Yeah. Um, as, as Inga Muburn says, the university is a bad boyfriend. Um, uh, so, so. I like that. It's a bit, it's a bit, um, uh, every, last milestone I had finishing up with the university, mm. my wife had in her in her diary with multiple exclamation points oh, behind it. Okay. Like last class, exclamation point. Last Friday, exclamation, exclamation. Okay. So um that 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 was her perspective on what, and <laughs> what it what, meant. What is leaving. that saying? Is that sort of saying that she she, she could she interpreted it's those like, events as being stress filled and it rejoicing that they were finishing or what what was Yeah yeah, I think um, other people have said on your podcast that, like, it's a, it's a job that doesn't ever stop. Mm. And um, that's okay if you're enjoying it. And I think I had gotten to the point where I wasn't enjoying it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so... And my family had long stopped enjoying the fact that I had ever enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, so if I would say I have to go and spend all of Sunday finishing this paper or preparing the next three lectures or in my mm -hmm. last sort of 18 months I had they discovered that I was organised and so I was being put on these committees to fill in for people who outranked Damn. me who were on long service How did they leave. find that out? So you shouldn't let um, them know things like that. I just, um, <laughs> and that was that was sort of like, oh, yeah. there goes Wednesday. You know, yeah. it was like, it was like oh, Wednesday would be eaten with meetings. Yeah. And we were like, oh, good, that was going to be the day I prepped for next week's class on next Tuesday. And so then I would yeah. have something on Thursday and then something on Friday and like, Oh good. Well, I can't. And then Monday was PhD mm. meetings. And mm. so guess I'll do that prep on the weekend. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I can understand them being very excited about getting you back on weekends. Yeah. Uh, and I notice it too. It's far yeah. easier for me to be yeah. engaged um, on a weekend and be like, okay, yeah, great. Let's go and, you know, do that. Tell me about your homework. Whereas before I'd be like, I don't want to speak about anything. Leave me alone. Mm. Um, and we're all, we're all introverts in this house such that, you know, Sunday afternoon comes and we've all retreated to the farthest opposite corners that we can. <laughs> um, but if I was teaching, if I had a, a lot of contact, you know, 80 mm. students in a lecture, mm. 20 students in a tutorial, 
um, I'm, I'm sort of done with my yeah. human contact. Yeah, yeah. Energy, because if you're an introvert, that, that sort of just totally right. drains your energy. That's right. And so Saturday would be like, you know, running around with the kids and yeah. grocery shopping and yeah. tidying up the house from the week. And then Sunday would be like, that's it. Oh, good. Yeah. I have to spend all Sunday away too. So yeah. then I'd be, again, sort of not able to be present in the same way. Yeah. Um, during so the week sounds, too. Cause... Sounds like this was a, a decision that was taken as a very positive decision and taking back control in some way or making choices yeah. about uh, those sorts of issues for your own life. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't a surprise to me because uh, I'd been talking to this firm since August mm, last year. Yeah. Um, it, it, there was no way for it not to be a surprise to yeah. people I worked with or to my postgrad students. Um, and so there's, there's, you know, this is this is audio only, but the uh, the emoji with like the clapped hands clapped to the side of the face mm-hmm. and the <laughs> yes. munch scream face. That's the face that my PhD and master's mm-hmm. students made when I told mm-hmm. them that I was leaving because there's no way to break it to them gently, mm-hmm. and they're not at all finished, yeah. and so they need someone to take over for them. And one of them we found a new supervisor for, yeah. um, or the. Associate supervisor stepped up to be primary, and we found a new associate supervisor. Yeah. My master's student, um, we're struggling to find someone for, um, but he'll he'll be okay. He doesn't need yeah. direct supervision at the yeah. moment. He's in data collection, but and um, I, I eventually guess, he'll need someone to finish him off. I so. guess there's never going to be a time when you could make a choice to leave where all of the pieces, all the the, the sort of That's loose right. ends, will be tied up. That's right. The rhythm is of that is too long. Yeah, and too relentless. Um, yeah, too relentless too. Um, it's. I mean, I, when I said to the head of school, I want to finish, uh, and I need to be gone in two two weeks. She said, "Well, <laughs> we can't do that, but it's in our interest not to let you take the form, not to make you take the four months, because two of those four months will be December, January, and you know why should we pay you when?" You obviously that, don't want to be here for that, and that's um, holidays in the in the Australian academic it calendar. Yeah. It is, um, uh, and so she said, "Can you finish?" Or I said, "Forget who said." Someone said, "Finish your teaching commitments mm. and go part time to finish mm. that." And so mm. for the last, I did two more weeks after that, uh, full time, and then I think I did the last six weeks of the semester, uh, 40% with the university and mm-hmm. 60% mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. firm. Um, and it was on weird days. While teaching was on, it was consistent. And then mm-hmm. when teaching was finished and we were doing exams and marking, and we, industrial design doesn't really have exams. It has yeah. project-based assessment. Yeah. Um, and those were on weird days. And so yeah. I was forever having discussions with everyone about what day are you here and when are you next here? And I'm like, oh, that's okay. It's in my diary and it's, it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. So uh, what are the other things that you're now enjoying about your new job? So it's being able to be present at the weekends and you're f- yeah. and having a yeah. happy family and a happier you. What What are the other things yeah. that – And a happier wife, very Happier important. wife. Very important. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
at the moment, it's all of my favorite bits about being a researcher in my industry job. Excellent. So I'm doing, I do interviews with people. We write them up and do thematic analysis and inductive analysis and, and things like that with them. Um, it's a user experience firm, so it's all done on post-it notes. We don't mm-hmm. use software, but mm-hmm. it's there's a reason that, you know, that's yeah. a sort of a cliche about UX firms is that because yeah. it makes the data analysis embodied and collaborative yeah. Yeah. rather than it being like locked away in, yeah. in vivo or something like that. Yeah, I'm still a um, post-it note girl for analysis <laughs> and big um, whiteboards. Big whiteboards. We have great big uh, cardboard that we can move around because we oh. run out of wall space because <laughs> we're doing we're doing six concurrent projects um, and everyone and event, eventually you're into a clash where everyone wants every available vertical surface in the yeah. office and so we just make so six isn't too many at surfaces. once like six is I'm not doing six the oh, okay. the office is doing six um, I'm leading one I'm yeah. sort of co-leading another. And then I'm, I think I've just picked up lead on another project that yeah. isn't really going to start until New Year. And I'm sort of associating or running support on um, one or two others. And the, the, the percentages on those is not equal. Mm. So the one that I'm leading is, is my project. Right. right. The one I'm co-leading is the one that's actually running full steam at the moment the one that i'm leading we just started and that will sort of start a new year mm-hmm. and the other ones are my time commitment is 20 or 30 percent of my week and really it's for some the person who leads that project to go then we're running a workshop here come and be in the room for the workshop or can you prep these slides mm. for me or can you mm. make the interview guide mm-hmm. for this? Here mm. are my notes. I'm like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I can do that. Great. Um, but all of that is is my favourite parts of being a researcher. Oh, that's great. And so great. just today I was out talking to people and the other day I was talking to people and Tuesday we were in Canberra running a workshop um, last, last week. I was in Melbourne running mm-hmm. a workshop mm-hmm. and it felt like running a design tutorial yeah. for a a design tutorial, like a yeah. qualitative methods tutorial. It's like, explore this. Here is how you think about that. What about this thing? So, great. That's good. that sounds great. Um, the commute is a bit long. It's a uh, yeah. It's a uh, hundred and twelve kilometers from my house to the office. No, that's <laughs> long. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's um, is but that it's driving? against traffic. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. against traffic all the way, mm-hmm. and so it's an hour 20 if there's no accident on the highway it's just straight down the highway highway all the way and then 15 minutes wiggly roads okay um so i'm just listening to a lot of podcasts it's it's a lot Um, of sitting time uh yeah so Um, so my commute into the university was door to door counting dropping my children at school really about the same amount of clock time like an hour and 10 hour and 20 um, there was a lot more walking involved in that. Yeah. I'd catch the train, and so I'd walk to the train station, yeah. walk through the city to the university, turn around and walk back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so do you, do you have um, particular self-care strategies for sort of managing your own energy and doing stuff? You know, like it sounds like you're 
treating the commute time not as sort of a stress event but something just to uh, have space to listen to stuff you want to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, are there other things that was, you do? Well, if so the commute, if the commute was traffic, I would find it much more difficult than yeah. I do. But yeah. it's it's ninety percent highway driving. Yeah. It's most of the time the traffic is sparse enough to just yeah. sit on cruise control. Right. So. Watch the taillights in the car in front of the car in front of, ahead of you so that you can know when to click cancel the cruise control. Listen to the podcast. Do those sort of things. Yeah. Um, other things, don't do email on weekends, which is fantastic. And did um, you used to do email on weekends? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So is that um, a deliberate think- decision not to now or is it just that you don't need to? The firm doesn't. Great. Which was flabbergasted. Was flabbergasted. The first, my first Friday, I thought I would test them, and I sent an email to my director at yeah. half past five on a Friday afternoon. Yes, and I didn't get a reply from him until about half past ten on Monday morning. Excellent. I and love I was, that. I was, uh, I was like, this is pretty good. I like this a lot. Yeah. And he said, oh, it's, there might be some. On yeah. some weekends, he goes, but, yeah. yeah, as a practice, we probably don't do email. Right. On so, like, that is that is cool. Um, don't do email when I get home. Um, if I've had, like, a lot of interviews mm. for clients or participants for clients in the in a day, and I only do two or three a day, you know, at the most because we're driving to their, mm. their location. They don't come to us. Um, uh, I might, you know. Walk in the door. Hi, everyone. I'm home, and my wife says you're so much happier when you come home now than you ever used to be. Wow! Like uh, visibly, but she did scold, visibly yeah, happier. Yeah, yeah. She scolded me the other night because I was checking email on my phone after I got home. She goes, "Why uh-huh. you, don't do that? What are you doing that for?" I'm like I've mm. been in the office since midday. I, I just need to check if mm. you know. Is there anything I need to mm. be should have been thinking about this afternoon or is there a reply I need to send? It was about six o'clock at night. Mm. But that's when I walked in the door. Um, is there a thing I need to send? If someone asks me a question that I need an answer to by tomorrow so they can do the next thing mm. that I will mm. expect them to have done you know, yep. in two days' time. Yeah. Uh, there was not, but yeah. um, once you look at your phone after you come in the door, you've sort of stuck with it in your hand. Mm. Right? So, um, anything else I do? So that, that's also just about being present when you walk in, you know, in yeah. generally choosing not to check your email in the evening now. And it's obviously yeah, supported by the culture of the company that doesn't have this mad uh, be available at any time of the day or night. Yeah, yeah. When you're uh, in the office, yeah. you're on. Yeah. Um, and But um, the, so the, the pace is... faster than in the university but mm. the rhythm is more consistent yeah um and so that you know if i was you know finishing up at the university so you know teaching is 13 weeks you know four hours yeah. a week yeah plus prep and marking yeah. and other things but then you know uh phd supervision is an hour a fortnight mm. and you might have a couple of those if you're lucky, you can gang them on the same day, but mm. you know, everyone else's schedules have to align. Um, master's supervision, we did an hour every week, 
like, okay, that's then. And then a research paper is however long. And so mm. everything is running at counterpoint. Yeah. And it's it's not, you know, Steve Reich clapping music where the, the rhythms yes. build on each other in different ways. Yeah. It was just noise Clap, about yeah. where am I, where am yeah. I supposed to be? And then committees, are, yeah. this committee is every two weeks and this committee yeah. is every yeah. three weeks. And I'm like, oh. So just um, lots of balls in the air. Lots of balls in the air. That's yeah. the the guy with the plates spinning yeah. the plates. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, there are times there are times where it's sort of like you feel like you're barely coping with keeping mm. those plates in the mm. air. And the thing is, uh, you know, if you can keep those plates in the air, someone will give mm. you an extra plate. Mm. <laughs> yeah. As you said before, when people um, find out you're organised, you get more yeah. work because you're organised. Yeah. It's um, and can be trusted. I stole this. I stole this from someone. And it's one of these uh, ha-ha, just serious things. It's like mm-hmm. it's a pie-eating contest mm-hmm. where first prize is more pie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's like I, I'm done with the pie. Yeah. So <laughs> is there anything that you will miss that you, you know, because I guess there are always trade-offs um, in any decision? I really, despite sort of being thrust into teaching, Mm. I think I was better at being a teaching academic than mm-hmm. a paper-producing research academic. Right. I really like researching. Yes. Finding out new things. But as soon as yeah. I found out the things, like, oh, that's how airports work. Yeah. That's what that is. It's like yeah. then I'm done. Right. Um, and I have no interest in turning it into Six mm. to twelve thousand words, and mm. running it through a six to twelve month, twenty four month mm. paper production process. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I really enjoy teaching. I really like the rhythm of that. I really yeah. like running the class and talking with the students mm. and seeing them get better at things. Um, so that's that's what I will probably miss the most. Yeah, but it also sounds like you, as you said. So there are aspects of what you've just talked about that you seem to have in your new job as well. They play out with different yeah. people, different audiences, but you're still getting to teach in a way and see people mm-hmm. come to understandings and and do the yeah. research part that you really like. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't That's- have this job if I couldn't have, if I didn't, if I hadn't been yeah. an academic in the way that I had been an academic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm not, good- I'm not the first... I'm not the first person with a PhD this firm has employed. Yeah. I think I'm the most experienced academic they've employed. Yeah. But, and the other people, as far as I'm aware, um, did their PhDs and basically escaped straight yeah. away to industry. Right. Right. Um, but because I am illegible in the university system, I'm actually interesting in the commercial world. It's like, oh, you, you understand mm. that and that and Ex- that. So and something you can do that? excellent. So something that was yeah. a, a liability in a way elsewhere is a, is a um, plus here, an advantage. Yeah, it was never it was never like a liability in the university because they kept yeah. him, they kept me around. Yes, but it made me. It, it the story was difficult. Yeah. Um, or it didn't line up. Yeah. You know, universities yeah. very much encouraged now anyway that. Yeah. Uh, Super specialization. Yes. You need to be doing that and they like you to have the same uh, coherent story all the way Mm. through. I studied Mm. X in my undergraduate. Then I did a master's in 
you know, X prime, and I did yeah. a, a PhD in X double prime, yeah. and here are my 12 papers that I've written between my master's and my PhD, establishing me as a leader in X yes. prime and double prime. Yep. And now my my first grant that I am the first investigator on is X triple prime. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm that person. And that was never me. I was yeah. never did and that. I, th- I, I think that's changing, yeah. but I think it's a very, it's, it's going to be a very slow change. I think there are lots, lots more people like you. Um, you know, and I also feel yeah. a sort of a little bit broad as well, sort of straddling different mm. areas. Um, yeah. but we, Certainly, I agree. We certainly don't have the structures and processes in place at the moment to totally value uh, what that sort of breadth and cross-disciplinary no. expertise well, brings. They make a lot of noise about that, though. Like, mm. we need more cross-disciplinary mm. research. Mm. And if, you, if you dig into that, they mean physics physics lecturers, physics researchers and chemistry researchers working yeah. together. And it's like, or, mm, or not, um, a database. sure that's really. Or a database yeah. person who can talk to an algorithms person. That's right. It's like that's that's not how I would understand uh, cross disciplinary or yeah. interdisciplinary. And then there are people who have you know culture wars over what cross yeah. and interdisciplinary means yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Sure. Excellent. So we should uh, probably wrap up now. I <laughs> just uh, sure. So I'm sure. always just marches on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or comments? Uh, about life or universe or anything i could go easily another hour i think um i could too (laughs) um any further thoughts i think when you had said to me come on the podcast i had said i really liked the last one um but i thought it was wrong (laughs) (laughs) or i thought that i think it was tom rodden it wasn't wrong it was it was his experience was absolutely not my experience. Right. Um, and what was and it particularly that he talked about that you uh, are reflecting that against? I think I think he had um, he had been far more in charge of what he had done than had ever been my experience mm-hmm. because I was always on someone else's money. Right. And right. I'd have been told, you know, this is this is the thing. Go and do this. Yeah. Like so, the airport thing wasn't my project. It was yeah. a grant that there's no one. And yeah. she said, you know, I'd I'd known it was being done, but that was done, you know, outside of my. I had no input into getting the money. Yeah. And we got the money, and she's like, okay, we're going to put you on this. And you're going to do this. Go and make this happen. Um, and then other projects that we did was not my project so i started mm. you know like go look at nurses band equals legs go see how doctors use stethoscopes go follow people around airports um and so there was again no legible story there like mm. how do you go from that to that to that to that mm. and tom's story was he had sort of followed his nose but he could then turn around and tell a story about why all those things yeah. lined up yeah and because he could do that he was legible into the wider system mm-hmm. um and I never felt able to do that. Yeah. And I can post hoc, you know, post justify all of the things that I did and mm. assemble them into a narrative. But I have to, you know, dig back into like Latourian theory and mm. connect all these things together. Mm. And in design, 
very few people have read Le Tour. Yes. Or interpret it the way that I do. And they're like, oh, yeah, that still doesn't make any sense to us. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. sure. Um, I don't I have no call to, to read Le Tour anymore. Um, but uh, <laughs> occasionally I go, oh, yeah, that's for that reason. Right. How do I explain this to people who've never read this before and yeah. don't care about theory? Okay, good. Here is how I'm going to tell this story now. So. But you were able to tell some story in talking to the person about you know, where you now end up working. Uh, yeah, but that was more like um, a methodological uh, you know, or skill set. No, like skill sets. Like um, at that conference, I spoke for you know, the the great thing about practitioner conferences, in my experience, is a they pay you to go, mm-hmm. b you get way longer to talk, and c way more people come to hear you. Mm-hmm. So this was a two-track conference with 500 people attending total. Mm-hmm. So I had, I was, the, you know, me on a stage with cinema-sized PowerPoint behind me uh, for 45 minutes with between 150 and 250 people in mm-hmm. the audience. Mm-hmm. I've flown to academic conferences in Montreal and six people heard my paper. Mm-hmm. um and so because because i can do that because i can stand on a stage and Mm -hmm. you know do that at a practitioner's conference as an academic and they go yes we know you can do this because you know bring Mm -hmm. bring your a game because there are 500 of the best connected people in the industry coming to this um they would let me do that i can run a class i can run a tutorial i can explain qualitative methods i can do qualitative methods about Mm -hmm. weird interdisciplinary Mm -hmm. stuff um, and I figured out how to tell a story about that mm. that made me interesting to industry. They're like, you know, so people would st- say, uh, academics are slow and academics are bad at deadlines. I was mm. like, mm, no, we're just probably bad at some kinds of deadlines. But mm. if I'm teaching a class, I have to have something for 80 students and eight tutors to do for four hours every week, and I mm. plan it 13 weeks in advance. And they're like, oh, yeah, that does mean you're good at deadlines. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, it does. Um, and they and they say, what about the the slow thing? And I'm like, well, I can, you know, they had me do that for the first time. I had three weeks' notice to plan 13 weeks of class. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, fair yeah. enough. Um, and so there's that perception of academics as being one way. Um, mm. As I think I mentioned it before, Inga Muburn said to mm. me once, she goes, PhD students in academics are really well adapted to their environment. Uh, and the environment encourages that kind of thing. It encourages yes. being bad deadlines. It encourages taking your time. Yes. Um, and encourages being just obsessed with the minutia of what else is there here. Mm. In the commercial world, the whole project is eight weeks end to end. Because you don't have the luxury of six months sitting around looking at your data going, what is this? What does this mean? What other 12 things could this mean? It's like, no, we have a framework. We're going to apply the framework. That's what the client bought give the client what they paid for, we'll think yeah. about the wider implications of this maybe later. So compared to Tom, so we could, is it fair to say? I don't want to pick Tom on was, Tom. No, no, that but, was a great but it's, a great, it's a great example of people having very, very different experiences within an academic system that because he did yeah. have a lot more autonomy and freedom to shape his own 
research identity, he could tell a story that was a research-based sort of narrative about himself in a way and and own some of those sort of directions. And the story that you've just been recounting there is much more a story about you as a person and the skills that you developed and, you know, the ways that you can work. Uh, Yeah. um, And recognising what you're good at and what what those areas are. Sure. I can do another, I can do my, my only academic superpower and that's to reference another thing that that's sort of (laughs) Marcus, that's like Marcus Spot's story, right? Marcus is this interdisciplinary boundary crossing person, Mm. but he's able to tell that story in a way that makes him legible some of the time. Yeah. You know, he would probably say that a lot of time he, he feels illegible, but he's at least legible enough to have achieved yeah. the success that he has yeah. done. And he works so hard. I'm convinced yes. there's that he is a vampire because I'm sure he never sleeps. <laughs> and there's probably a painting somewhere that where he looks terrible. Yes. Um, but uh, so, so so maybe I'm just not as good as, you know, Marcus and Tom, who are mm-hmm. amazingly good at telling that story. Um, yeah, but as you said, they also had very different opportunities and um, different paths. They made that, opportunities. Yeah, to, you listen to their to story. Be, they, yeah. they they went out and made those yeah. opportunities. I'm, they, I'm not saying that it was, yeah. it was given to them no. and on a plate. Um, no. I'm extremely lucky to have had, you know, all those, those long-term contracts. There are yeah. other people I know and who I worked with who are not employed for more than a year at a time. Yeah, it's tough, um, isn't it? So that the university can can keep them in a box um mm. and that's a whole sort of, mm. you know that's a yeah. whole other story it people, is, people yeah. who are invaluable who are not employed in the way that i've been lucky enough to be yeah. employed yeah. and i'm an overeducated upper middle upper middle class white guy i am playing mm. the whole game on the easiest setting mm. and you know i uh try and bring people along with me and eventually i was like mm, the whole mm. game is not it's not working for me anymore. Yeah. I'm out. Bye. Yep. Good. Yep. But it sounds like your new game is working very well for you. Well, it's only been about four weeks. <laughs> so, well, it's good it con- so far. It's good it, so far. May it continue to work well and this not just be a, a honeymoon seems to period? Be. And it seems to be. The, road, yeah. the roadmap for the current projects runs out till end of April and it all it's all pretty good so far and my calendar's filling up with, little bits of travel here and there and Great. interviews and mm-hmm. this week's blocked out for doing synthesis and analysis. And it's like, this is good. I'm good. enjoying this. Great. Yeah. So, Ben, thank you uh, so much for your time. And thank you, Geraldine. Really great to just get different perspectives from different people. You can find the summary notes and the related links for this podcast and all the podcast episodes at www.changingacademiclife.com. You can also subscribe to Changing Academic Life on iTunes and you can follow Change Acad Life on Twitter.